Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, church, remember, remember the book of Matthew was written with the Jewish people in mind. That's what I was talking about earlier. You have to have the Jewish mindset. You go, well, what do you mean? Well, it portrays Jesus as king. He is king. Now, at this time, Israel was under Roman oppression. The government of Rome was really coming down on them. But now Matthew comes in, he says, listen, I want to talk to you about Jesus as king. So what does he do? Matthew will connect, guys, Jesus to the Old Testament. He's going to say, hey, look, look, look. Now, what do you mean? Specifically, if you're taking note, it's the Torah. The Torah. You go, what do you mean? Well, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, and Jesus as teacher will parallel these first five books of Moses. You go, oh, I I didn't know that. How does Matthew do this? Well, he comes in, and as he, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he will highlight how Jesus is coming, first and foremost, from the Messianic line of the son of David, the son of Abraham. He's going to tie them in. And you go, okay, I think I'm tracking. You go, well, what do you mean? Okay, so what he does overall is he'll give us a central theme. As he teaches us, he's going to look, he says, guys, look for three three points. If Jesus is king, you need to grasp these three points. You go, okay, what are they? First, he does come from the line of David. Okay, now, in your mind, he's connecting Old Testament with New Testament. You understand, he's connect. this is King Jesus. Then he says, his name is Emmanuel, which is God with us. And then he says, now listen, but just like Moses, Jesus is the new Moses in teaching. He's the new Moses. So Matthew, again, as he's penning it under the power of the Holy Spirit, he's teaching us that God's kingdom is really key as we see and discover the ultimate rescue mission that is coming through King Jesus. So that's what Matthew does. He says, okay, so now now watch Jesus, watch Jesus, first 13 chapters. He's come in and he says, now, what does Jesus do? He confronts evil. He confronts evil. The second thing he does, guys, is he actually confronts spiritual evil along with demonic oppression. So that's key. We need to remember that demons are real. And we're moving into an age in this world where people are discounting that. They're they're producing shows for our children that has demonic overtones and but 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 it's but it's it's fun and friendly you you get me right we're we're producing for our little ones shows where ghosts are talking to children and the children respond it would be rude not to talk back to the ghost that's demonic These are, Jesus is showing us in the book of Matthew that these are things that are happening. We have become calloused 
two spiritual things. Jesus says, in my word, there's spiritual evil. There's demonic oppression. There's disease. And there's death. And there's death. What we learn through the book of Matthew is God came to restore, or Jesus came to restore God's rule and reign over the whole earth. So let me ask you a question. How many of you, and you don't have to answer, raise your hand, how many of you are waiting and longing for the day when God is the ruler of the world? Now, now he is the ruler. He's powerful. He's Elohim. But when he sets up his reign in Jerusalem, or when we see the new heaven and the new earth, now a lot of us go, man, that I can't even wrap my mind around that. A new heaven and a new earth? What's that going to be like? Will, will I still know my wife? Will I still know my friends? Will they be like, will there be buildings? Will there be, I don't know, but we long for that. You see, the Bible says that God put eternity in our hearts. And so each one of us, even though sin, we're born into sin, we're born into the first Adam, even though we're born into that, we still know that there's a part of us that longs to be with God. And that's why as the Holy Spirit draws us that we come and we can confess and we can open up our hearts and we can be saved. He calls it being born again. Born again. But i got to be honest with you. What Jesus taught us, and I'll go over it in a second. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But what Jesus taught us is that there are going to be false Christians in the church. There's going to be people that claim to be born again that are not born again. And he actually taught us that last week. But let me, let me go back. Let me go back, okay? So we come to chapter 13. And Jesus is teaching kingdom life. And he's teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And last week, we learned about two parables, okay? It was the parable of the sower and the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now, this was amazingly powerful. Why? Because the question we asked is, which soil are you? You go, what do you mean, what soil am I? Well, he compares the soil to our hearts. And then he asks, and he says, which soil are you? Where, Where do you think your heart is? And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, first he says, the, there's the wayward heart. There's the wayside heart. Forgive me. He's the heart that hears the word of God, and it doesn't penetrate the soil at all. It's very, very hard. And so you come to church, you listen, and by the time the pastor's even done, there's a couple of things that has happened. You have tuned out completely, And you're just waiting for it to end because you're thinking about what are you going to eat, what you're going to do today, what the temperature is, all of that stuff. And if you receive anything, by the time you get out to the parking lot, Jesus says the birds have come and snatched that seed away. You're just, honey, what did you think of that sermon? Yeah, that's all right. Where do you want to eat? Rosa's? Yeah, but, but don't you think the pastor was funny? Did he say something funny? You understand. That's a wayside heart. But then Jesus says, okay, but, 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 but maybe you don't have that. Maybe you have a stony heart. 
And this is the people who hear the gospel and they actually respond with great joy and excitement. Yes! He says, but many of those who have a stony heart, there's no root and they're going to fall away. They're going to fall away. He says then, but there are some of you who have a thorny heart. And there are two events that choke out a thorny heart. You go, what's that? Literally, the cares of this world, meaning, listen, distractions of this age. Well, like what? Well, we talked about money, cars, clothes, pleasures, entertainment. All those will choke us, choke, 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 choke us out. He said, but the second one is this deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. He said, the fourth one. He said, some of that seed fell on good ground heart. They're the ones who accept it, and they understand it, and they obey it, and God opens their mind and their heart, and it transforms their lives. And as a result, it says, it produces spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit. You go, Ben, what's a spiritual fruit? Let me say this. A good indication of spiritual fruit is the closer you walk with God, your head actually drops because you realize, you realize what a sinner you are. The closer you... and, and, And here's the thing. It's individual. You're not nudging your neighbor. See, I told you, you need, it's like, this is, oh Lord, Lord, this is, this is me. So many times we'll hear a sermon and we go, baby, that sermon was just for you. He was talking to you. That's you all day long. We can't do that, can we? It's, wow. And, and so that's good ground. But he also talked about the wheat and the tares. And let me give this real quick. Do you remember what the difference between wheat and tares are? Wheat, when ripened, bows down. As you ripe and mature in the Lord, you'll bow in just going, Lord, I'm so sorry. The closer I walk with you, the more I realize what a sinner I am. You know what a tear does? A tear stands straight up. Ten stand straight up. So he gave us those two parables. But now he's going to give us some more parables. Okay? So let's jump into our text because we've got a lot to cover. Look, we're going to pick it up in verse 31. Verse 31, we talked about those two. Now, he says, Another parable Jesus put forth to him saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Your attention, please. This is key. Because if we read it with an American Western mindset, we think, ah, oh, there's a seed, it grows into a tree, and all the birds are nesting. Oh, I bet that's me. And you bird watchers are like, yeah, that's what I want to see. But that's not what Jesus is teaching. You go, what's he teaching? When we really pay attention, Jesus just told us that there will be demonic activity in the church. 
what? I didn't see that. I saw a bush. I saw a seed. I saw... Okay, well, first and foremost, we got to understand what he said, okay? He said, it's going to be a small mustard seed. And he's talking about Jesus coming. Jesus came with the message. Before Jesus, all we had was the prophets looking for the Messiah. They had no idea the full extent of the gospel. Can I get an amen? So, so Jesus comes, he picks 12. What do you call these guys? They're, I mean, these are the biggest misfits and strangies and that's us. But he takes 12 guys and he says, okay, here's the gospel. And what happens is the church begins to explode. You understand the disciples had no clue what the church was at this point, right? So Jesus didn't come and go, hey, there's going to be a church. What's a church? Well, it's going to be a bunch of people worshiping me in church, church. Huh? Oh, there's just 12 of us, Lord, and we're going to... No, he says, there's going to be a... So they don't understand. But what we have to do is we have to break it down. The church was not established, therefore, that's why he spoke in parables. Okay? The mustard seed is Jesus coming and picking his disciples, and they began to spread the word. The church of Jesus begins to spread... And it grew like a tree. It grew. Okay? A mustard seed tree doesn't grow very big. Maybe about 10 feet tall. Very bushy. Very bushy, but very wide. And it says, now, it said in verse 32b, check it out. It said, the birds of the air came and nested. Everybody see that word? Nested in its branches. That's key. You go, why is that key? Now, here's what I want you to write this down. If you're a note taker and you're a Bible scholar, write this down. It's called expositional constancy. Expositional constancy. And you go, wow, that's a big word. It is. Here's what it means. It means that the Bible is consistent throughout. The Bible, expositional constancy. So when we see the term birds, we got to go back and see what Jesus is talking about. You go, well, what do you mean? Well, back in Matthew chapter 13, we looked at it last week. It said, and he sowed and some fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured it. Well, the disciples come later and go, what does that mean? Verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the word in the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one, do you guys see that? Comes and snatches it away. So the birds represent demonic activity. The wicked one coming and stealing this. Expositional constancy says that the birds are demons and they are nesting in the church. Everybody, everybody got that? Crazy, huh? Crazy. As a matter of fact, Warren Wearsby writes, quote, The New Testament teaches a growing decline in the ministry of the gospel as the end of age draws near, unquote. So he believes that as we get further, further into the last days, you're going to see more and more demonic activity in the church. Wow. Wow. So Jesus had just told us about wheat and tares. 
wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said that the tares are, were, were what? They're false Christians. They're not real believers. Now, what I love about tares is that they come and they hear the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will eventually, hopefully, break some of that hardened heart. I pray that. But he just said, let me tell you a parable. As the church begins to grow, and you guys are witness, there's going to be demonic activity. Now, some of the demonic activity I was trying to think about could be what he's going to talk about next. But I think about it like this. I think about the church. Now, again, not just Calvary, not denominating. I'm thinking the church, the whole church, okay? We can see that there's a big push for just a watered-down gospel message. And that we have wonderful brothers in the Lord falling into that pattern in order to have big churches. And I can see that. We can see that. We also see demonic activity in the life of the church, in the life of pastors. We're not exempt. The enemy comes in and demonic activity will begin to what? To pull us. To trip us. This is what he's saying. So now you have wheat and tares. Everybody got that? And then you have what? Then you have a demonic activity in the church. But next he says, but I want to talk about, I want to talk about false doctrine. False doctrine. Because I believe that, that part of demonic activity might be a very false doctrine. For example, Santos came to me last week and asked me about a particular passage in Scripture. And we discussed it. We looked at some stuff. And I looked at him and I said, here's the deal, Santos. It doesn't matter what it is or who's saying it. You need to research it yourself. And the fact that even if I say it, you should still research it yourself. The Bible says we need to be like Bereans. Okay, Pastor Ben said this. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. Do not go, well, he's such a great pastor that I'll just accept everything he says. We don't do that, do we, church? We look for it. Why? But also know this. You realize that I have to stand before a holy God and give an account for every one of you. So I will do my very best to pull what is here. And you can see that by, by our church. You know what do you mean? We can get numbers. We can get numbers. You understand that? We'd have to change everything about us, but we could we could fill this church three or four times over. But I can't I can't stand before a holy God and say no. I I didn't teach him the whole truth. The I can't. And so we're going to see false doctrine. Now here's what I want you to remember. Okay, I want you to remember context. You go, context, yeah. Do you guys remember the 2020 rule? Who knows the 2020 rule? Okay? 2020 rule is really simple. You read 20 verses above and 20 verses 
below so you get the context. You've got to do that. You can't just pull a verse out of Scripture. Why? Because if you, if, if you do that, it can change the whole meaning. You can change the whole meaning. It becomes a pretext. You go, okay. So in the context, Jesus was teaching last week about wheat and tares. Okay, so now he's going to teach us about false growth. That was the first one. In the church, there's going to be demonic activity and false growth. And now he's going to teach us about false doctrine. Look at verse 33 with me. He says, another parable he spoke to them. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three measures of meal until it was all leavened. If you have a pencil handy, circle that word for leaven because leaven obviously illustrates the inward development of false doctrine and false living. Okay, It's always been a sign of evil. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Okay, So what Jesus just said, he said, listen, here, here's what I'm illustrating that this inward development of false doctrine is going to produce fake Christians and false living. Wow. Wow. Think about this for just a second. Think about how the church has walked away from purity and the holiness of God. Think about that. Think about how far we've come. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about as our culture and our city changes, we need to change with them, but the message never should change. It always stays the same. We teach the Bible, but again, we might change the aesthetics of the church. There might be a different color of carpet. We're not making you sit on pews or hardened pews. You understand how it's changed that way. But the word of God should always remain the same. And we should get the full counsel of God from all of this. It is not enough. We have to deal with the outward attacks on the church but Jesus said, now we have to deal with false teaching in the church. Very, very, very important. Okay? Be, 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 be aware when you turn on Christian television. Be Bereans. Check it out. Don't just accept everything on there because it'll shape your thinking. You go, well, Ben, these guys have been pastors forever. These big-name guys have been pastors forever. They wouldn't deceive me. Check it out. Do you see what Jesus told you? Jesus said, hey, 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 listen, there's going to be false doctrine. There's going to be prosperity gospels. That's not even a real thing. You've got to be careful. Because any time you put something in front of gospel, you've already diluted it. Because the gospel is complete by itself. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Okay? So what should happen? You guys have grown in the word so much that say you're flipping through your channels and you see something come out and they're preaching. Of course, it intrigues you because you're like, oh, let me, let me listen to this. Click. And then they start preaching about something that you know is not right. The Holy Spirit, oh, oh. Well, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. 
And you'll know that. And you'll know that. That's what Jesus said. So then he goes on in verse 34. He says, All things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things kept in secret from the foundations of the world. I love the fact that Jesus used stories and illustrations when he spoke to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such things. He spoke to them this way. But it fulfilled what what the prophet Isaiah had said. And Jesus told him parables because the church was hidden. You guys with me? The church had been hidden from the beginning of time until... And then the church was birthed. And now it's here. So what can we learn? Well, first and foremost, we go back to the wheat and the tares. I love, I love that Jesus tells us exactly... But you've got to keep in mind, Jesus, the disciples didn't know about the church. They, they had no clue, right? Think about this. He, Jesus is walking. He says, Melanie, follow me. That's all she knew. Okay, I feel like, let's go. And so, and oh, oh, Paul, follow me. Right? So he's calling, just like he's doing now. This is what he's saying to you. Liz, follow me. Be my disciple. Okay, whatever you want to go. Uh, Mike, let's go. And, and so he's calling us, but we don't know what, what he has. He, doesn't, he hadn't told us to church. And so Jesus does something very beautiful. Look what he does. He sends the multitude away, and he went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, uh, Lord, <laughs> explain to us the, the wheat and the tares. What's that parable about? Now, most likely, I can't confirm this, but most likely this, they, they went back into Peter's house. They went back into Peter's house. And I've been to Peter's house. There's a church on top of it now, but you can still look down and I think about that. And he says, hey, guys, come on, come on. It's, it's time, it's time to eat. And they go, we don't want to eat. Tell us, tell us about the wheat and the tares. Uh, tell us. Listen to Jesus' answer. I love the heart of my Savior because it ministers to me right now. You go, why? Because he didn't go, what? Lord, tell us that we didn't. How many times have I been with you? Are you guys? He doesn't, right? And we feel that way. We're like, Lord, I'm coming to you again. And he's like, oh, my goodness. Angels, I thought you were working on Lisa. Just kidding. I thought you were working on bed. What? Hi, Lord, it's me again. Oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, um, let's build Ben's mansion way out there because he's way, he doesn't do that, does he? When the disciples come with a sincere question, he answered them and he said, Here's the, here it is. He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seeds are the son of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Here's what I want you to do. Jot this down. Because the word seed here are, represents two things. What are they? He says, first and foremost, the seed is the word of God. We've learned that. Okay? Because he told us that last week. But now we learned that the seed is also people. People. You're like, wow. 
He says, the good seeds are those who come in the church and they're believers in the church. They're Christians, or should I say, they're fully devoted followers of God. That's who they are. He said, but the tares, they're bad seeds. And they are unbelievers in the church. Which really blows my mind, because if you're really an unbeliever, and it's a beautiful day on Sunday morning, and you could go golfing, if you're an unbeliever, why would you come to church? But we know they're in here. We know they're in here. I wonder how many people get up every Sunday morning and attend a church for no other reason than that's how they were brought up. I just went to church. We just go to church. We just go to church. We go to church. We go to Sunday school. We go to church. And, 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 and then we go home, and that's what we do. And, and they, they live their whole life that way. And, and, and you ask them, hey, do, do you have a relationship with God? And they go, well, I go to this church. Well, cool, awesome. But do you have a relation? When did you get born again? Born again? I've asked that question to people. When did you get saved? And you know what they tell me? Well, I think I've always been saved. Well, really, how so? Well, I've always believed in God. I mean, you can't grow up in a world, in a sense, and not really believe in God. I mean, you see the sky, and you see trees, and you wonder how you're breathing. And But they never pinpoint a time. And Jesus goes on in verse 39. He says, the enemy, what did he do? Who sold them is the devil. Look at that. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Therefore, the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, all the things that offend, and those that practice lawlessness. Come on, can, can, I, can I see? We're practicing lawlessness today, are we not? Isaiah tells us, woe to you who call evil good and good evil. And we are doing that. And nobody seems to bat an eye. Nobody seems to go, hey, we need to stop this. We just kind of, we just kind of take it. In business, in business, I remember I went to business class and, and one of the things that they, they hit us with was, was, was that, um, how do you eat an elephant? You guys remember, any of you remember that? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? That's how they said. That's how you eat an elephant. Now, I would never want to eat an elephant, but if I was going to eat an elephant, I'd probably eat it one bite at a time. But here's the principle. How do you get, how do you get Christians calloused to what's going on in the world? One bite at a time. One show at a time. One book at a time. Just a little bit, just a little bit. Hey, we're going to throw this in. We're going to throw this in. Do you remember, do you remember Gone with the Wind? How many of you remember that show? Oh, yep, four of you, amen, five. Gone with the Wind, that was the very first pushing the envelope, TV-wise. When he said, Scarlet, I don't give a... Oh, did you hear what he said? But now fast forward to now. 
That's like, oh. you see, one, one bite at a time. One bite. And we got to be, we just got to be careful, church. We got to be careful. Lawlessness. He says, I'm going to cast him into where, guys? The furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, I got to tell you, this is where my heart breaks. You why? Because there is a place where unbelievers go. There's a place where false believers go, and it's not good. I want you to notice verse 41 again. The Son of Man is going to send out his angels, and he's going to gather out of his kingdom the things that offend and, the, and those who practice lawlessness. And he's going to cast them into, let's just say it, he's going to cast them into hell. And in hell, there's going to be wailing, of gnashing, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, first and foremost, wailing and weeping, same thing. It's a phrase, expositional constancy, it's a phrase used throughout Scripture that will tell us, guys, Wailing and weeping, it's also known as wailing and crying, and there's going to be a group of people who are wailing and weeping, going, I should have listened. I should have, why didn't I listen? God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Why am I, I should have listened to? And, and, and as we, as we present the gospel, there's a lot of people that look and you go, you're crazy. And they're, and they're very prideful and tough here. But the Bible says that when this happens, they're going to be wailing. There's a lot of people in hell right now wailing. Oh, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they're begging God for a second chance. That's what he says. How could I have been so calloused? It's too late. It's too late. The second thing he said here, guys, is he said, and, and we see the gnashing of teeth. Now, expositional constant, he tells us that phrase throughout Scripture always resents those that are upset in anger. Angry. Oh, the national. Okay, so now you have a group of people going, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. I should have listened. I should have listened. And you got another group of people going, oh, I can't believe this, I hate you. And, and they're angry. And they're angry. There's no repentance. And they're probably cussing and cursing God and raging. Can't believe that. Can't believe that. This is what Jesus said. These are people in hell. These are people right there. Which means so, so much, guys, if you're here today and you've never given your life to God. One of the things that's going to happen, you're going to be wailing and you're going to be weeping and going, God, I'm sorry. I went to church. Why didn't I listen? God, I felt you. I should have went forward. I should have raised my hand. I should have got saved. And then some of you is going to go, oh, I can't believe God would do. What kind of loving God would do? And it's so angry. If God is love, and I mean, we could, we could see that. No, 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 no. That's what Jesus told us, but I want you, let's, let's just picture it. The rapture's about to happen. The rapture's gonna, he's gonna come and take us home. Now, all of a sudden, you hear this, the trumpet sound. We're gone. 
I wonder what the people on earth are going to be like. The people on earth are going to be, there's going to be those that are over here going, (gasps) and they're going to be wailing, I'm sorry, God, but I love that his mercy, he's going to give them one more chance. But can I tell you, I think there's going to be a group of people after the rapture that are going to be super angry. And they're going to be mad at God. And they're going to hate God. I think we see the same principle played out. But we see it here. We see it here. Our God is the God of how many chances, church, until we take our final breath. And he doesn't make it hard. He says, open up your heart. Repent of your sins. Come into the family. Give your life to God. Walk with me. I have so much for you. Nah, nah, I I like my sin. I, I like to do what I do. It's all right. Or maybe we're not that. Maybe we're the, maybe we're the type to go, nah, nah. I'm trusting in my heritage. Well, the Jews t- trusted in their heritage, right? I'm trusting in my denomination. I'm trusting in my, well, my wife's really saved. My wife reads, yeah, I'm going to, I'll just hang on to her coattail as she, no, mm-mm. You need to get right with God now. This is an individual thing. You need to be right with God. And time is short. Well, it goes on. He says in verse 43, The righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. What's he saying? Those of you with spiritual ears, open up. Listen up. This is what he's saying. But he goes on and he talks about more parables. Okay? Now, he's going to talk about the Jewish people of Israel. And then he's going to give another uh, another about the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 44. Here's another parable. He says, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in, treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Now, here's a key word. Whenever you're studying the Bible, look for key words. Why? Because I want you to circle the word treasure in your Bibles. Why? Because the Jewish people have always been a treasure to God. They've always been his treasure. So what he's saying is he's not speaking about finding people, but Jesus willing to bankrupt heaven for those people. You understand? It's not going, well, those people are so, they're just awesome. They're sinners like us. But he goes, here's what I'm willing to do. I found a treasure and I'm willing to let go of all of this beautiful koinonia with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to bankrupt heaven so I can redeem this special treasure. That's the Jewish people. That's the Jewish people. That's what he's talking about, treasure. And you go, Pastor, what about me? What about me? Well, hang on. Just like the Ginsu knives, there's more. Hold on. The Old Testament symbolism assists us in this interpretation. The treasure is the nation of Israel. Jot this down for further study, Exodus 19 and 5, and Psalm 135 and 4. 
Okay? The nation of Israel was placed in the world to bring glory to God, but it failed. It became a nation hidden, a treasure not being invested to produce dividends for God. Jesus Christ gave all to purchase the whole world in order to save a nation. John eleven fifty one. On the cross, my Jesus died for the whole world. Can I get an amen? But in a special way, he died for Israel. The nation suffered judgment and seeming destruction, but in God's sight, it is hidden and it will reveal again in glory. You know how I know? Read Romans 9, 10, and 11. How so? Because Paul in Romans 1 through 8 talks about, he talks about us, he talks about all of this stuff, but then he stops and he talks about Israel's past, and he talks about Israel's present, and then in the last chapter he talks about Israel's future. This is real Israel, okay? This isn't replacement theology. This isn't, well, the church is now, no. This is Israel. They're going to come back to God's glory. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. But what about us? Okay? Everybody say that. What about us? Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had founded one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought this pearl. Okay, who is he speaking of? Us. How so? Circle that word for pearls. Why? Because he say you and me, you and me. This is how you know. Because the word for pearls, the Jewish people, check this out. The Jewish people never liked pearls. They, they never thought much, oh, those are pearls. Oh, there's pearls. Oh. They didn't care too much about pearls. But if you were to ask a Gentile, it was often called, pearls were called the jewels of the Gentile, the jewel of Gentiles. And he's like, whoa. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. It says, man, he bought us with his blood, a great price to pay. He says, you're, you're the pearl. You're the pearl. And guess what he does? He's going to take the special treasure of Israel and he's going to take the pearl of the Gentile and he's going to intertwine them in the kingdom. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But the Bible tells me that Jesus was willing to pay top price for sinners. Do you guys remember the Old Testament story? In Hosea, do you remember Hosea? That's a crazy story, okay? That's a crazy story. God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. This is Gomer. You see Gomer? Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, she's beautiful, but Lord, she's a prostitute. She sleeps with other guys. Yeah, but Hosea, I want you to marry her. I'm going to use you as an object lesson to, the, to, to Israel. What does he do? He marries Gomer. And true to her name, guess what she does? She cheats on him. She cheats on him. She commits adultery. So far to the place where she's, she's actually put to be sold. To be sold. And what does Gomer do? The Lord knocks on his heart and says, go pay. And so they're selling, they're selling these, these prostitutes to, to these men. And Gomer and, and Hosea comes up and says, I'll give her. I'll give her top price. Everybody goes, why would you? 
Hosea, are you cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Look what she's done to you. She's cheated on you. She's not even worth, she's not even worth five bucks. Why are you willing to give a thousand? Because that's my wife. And I love her. And it blows everybody away. But see, that's what Jesus did for us. The world isn't going to pay five bucks for you. And Jesus said, I'm going to lay down my life for them. That's how much he loves you. When you fully understand how much God loves you, guys, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. You understand that? You're like, oh, yes. Okay. That's amazing. It's amazing. The object of this brief parable is the same in the wheat and the tares, this next one. Okay? But the details are fewer. We're almost done, I promise. Look at verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered every kind, which some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore. They sat down, gathered the good into the vessels and threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the, into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Do you guys see that again? So he says, he says, this is a dragnet. Now, Jesus always taught about um, parables that people could fully grasp. So he's talking about a farmer. Everybody goes, oh yeah, we live around farmland. But they were also fishermen. So he goes, oh, by the way, let me, let me do a parable. He says, a dragnet. The dragnet is, has weights on the bottom and they drag it and they pull everything in. And they pull it to shore and they say, oh, this is a good fish. And they'll, oh, we're going to eat that. And he goes, oh, that's a stinky one. Yeah. And every disciple would go, I know what a dragnet is. I know what he's talking about. No way. No way. But what's happening here is very, very sad. Because there's a great separation. You see, Jesus says today is the day of salvation. He says, don't wait, because there's going to come a day of a great separation. And the good fish we're going to keep, these are the fish that have accepted Jesus, that are bought with the blood of Christ, that are just born again, walking with Jesus, progressive sanctification, waiting for that day that they're going to be glorified. That's the good fish. But the bad fish, well, the term is literally the rotten fish. The rotten fish meaning the foul or worthless fish. And what it does is it corresponds with the wheat and the tares. He says, we're going to throw these away. And once again, the angels are going to come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and he's going to cast them into the fiery furnace. And there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 51, and Jesus said to them, check this out. Have you understood these things? And what did they say to him? Yes. Yes, Lord. I don't think they got it. <laughs> I don't think they got it. It's a lot to take in. But he, 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 goes, he goes, hey, guys, you got it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure new things 
and old. What did he say? In other words, he said, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the homeowner, and he's going to go from a storeroom of new gems of truth as well as old ones. He's bringing them out. He's bringing them out. The kingdom of heaven will consist of those who follow Jesus. That's what it's about. Okay, so let's close with these last verses. Verse 53, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he'd come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, and they were so astonished, they said, Where did this man get this wisdom and this mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary? His brothers, James, Josie, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get all of these things? Notice verse 57. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their own belief. Remember, Matthew writes and he presents the gospel and he presents Jesus and many people responded and said, yes, just like you, it's beautiful. Many people still have their arms crossed and said, I don't know, let's see, I want to hear more. I'm, I'm kind of neutral. And many people said, no, 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 negative. And that's what they're doing here. They're actually offended by what Jesus taught. Can I get a witness? How many of you, before you were saved were offended at the teachings of Jesus. Hello. We were. We were offended. We're like, I can't remember. We were so, we were caught up in our own religion that the teachings of Jesus offended me. And then God saved me. He illuminated me. <gasps> but these guys are going, wait, 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 wait. We know, this is, this is, No. We know his mom, Mary. We know his brothers. There's nothing special about them. We know his sisters. And Jesus looks and says, guys, I can't do a whole lot because you won't believe. You won't believe. So here's what we should do tonight, this, this morning, church. Let's believe. Let's believe that God wants to do incredible things in our lives. We have to believe. We have to believe. You go, what does that mean? First and foremost, keep sharing. Keep sharing. If they mock you, one day there might be weeping. But keep sharing. Keep loving on people. Okay? We're not in the fourth quarter anymore. We're in overtime. We're in overtime, and we, and we know that we've got the ball, and the Lord says, let's go. Let's go. We've got people to reach. So, guys, the impact of our city, Lubbock, should be that. Let's go after them. Because what Jesus just told me, if they don't repent, if they don't come to him, it's not a good future. It's not a good future. Well, pastor, I didn't say it. Jesus said he loves us so much. It's not a good future. Pastor, I'm not really good at sharing. Then pray. Pray your kneecaps off. You guys know what I'm saying? They used to call, you know what they used to call James? Old camel knees. His knees were so callous that they called him camel knees because he was always praying. 
We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray for souls. We need to pray for revival in our city, in our state, in our country, and in our world. If God is giving us one last revival, guys, we, I want to be a part of it. I'm ready. I'm ready to go home, but I want to be part of his revival. You know those marriages that are in trouble? God's going to heal them. Right? You know those people who are strung out and struggling with drugs? God's going to heal them. He's going to do a great work. I want to be part of that. Do you want to be part of that? Do you want to be part of that? Let's go, right? So that's what we need to do. We know the ending. Okay, Lord, you taught us. You said what's... I'm going after my friends. I'm going after my family. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to see them come to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today. Lord, it was a lot, and you spoke to us. And I pray, oh Lord, that you would open up our heart and we could see you for the first time. Lord, there are so many people that are enlightened. I once was blind, but now I see. And there are so many that are offended. Because faith in Jesus requires action. Holy Spirit, we give you full permission to do a work in our hearts. I don't want anybody to go to hell. So I pray that they would respond to this invitation. With every eye closed and every head bowed as you're praying unto the Lord, I wonder how many of you might say, Pastor Ben, you were saying some things and you were talking about, you were talking about hell and you were, I mean, I didn't plan on coming to church like this, but you were saying some things and I got to be honest with you, I don't think I have a relationship with God like that. But I want one. I, I don't want to be bad fish or I don't want to be a terror. I want to be, I want to be a weed. I want to be, I want to be one of the good fish. I want to, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. What do I have to do? Cause I'm honest, if I'm honest with you, Ben, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God right now. I feel like I pray and he doesn't hear me and I, and maybe you feel like, Maybe you feel like you're a million miles away from God, but let me just say this. You're one decision today from coming to Him. You're one decision from Him doing an incredible work in your life, but you have to respond. You have to make that choice. Well, Ben, what do I have to do? Well, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to join the family of God. Well, how do I join the family of God? It's a simple prayer with all of your heart. It's a prayer of confession, and it's a prayer of belief. So you've got to ask that question, church. You've got to ask yourself one question. Am I right with God? And if your answer is yes, I love God, then I say amen. But if you're going, I don't know, today you can be. This is the most important decision you will ever make. Don't be a tear. Don't be a, uh, this false belief in this false growth. Make sure you're right with God. So if God is speaking to you today, and if you're watching online and God is speaking to you, and you want to be right with God. You go, Ben, I want to join the family of God. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven when I die. And, and, and is equally important, I want God to walk with me in the days that I have here on earth.
then I want you right now, if God is moving in your heart, to simply lift up your hand. Oh, why do I have to lift up my hand? Nobody's going to see you, but I want God to see your heart. You say, I want to be saved. I want God. I want him completely. Open up my heart. Would you just lift your hand right now? Would you say yes? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just right now. Just God is moving, and, and you just want to be right. You just want to give, you, you want to surrender completely to him. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Just opening up your heart, just saying, yes, I'm, I don't want to be a wheat. I don't want to be a I want to, I, Today's my day completely. If you're watching online or listening via podcast, just lift up your hand. And would you pray a prayer, something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I own it. I acknowledge it. I take responsibility. I have tried to do this life all on my own. I've invited you in in certain areas, but I've never completely surrendered. But I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I believe, I believe, I believe that you died on the cross for me. You're beautiful. You were buried and that you resurrected. And one day you're coming back for me. Not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of who you are, and I'm, I'm giving my life to you. I need help, Lord. Guide me, walk with me. So, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you forever I'm yours in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, let me be the first one to welcome you to the family of God. If you don't have a Bible or you don't even know where to start, if that's the first time you ever said, I, I prayed that prayer, if that's the first time you prayed that prayer, man, I have a, we, have a, we have a Bible for you. We have a Bible study guide. We want to get you on, on your walk. So please see me after church. Love you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys. If you're brand new, Go see Melanie. She'd love to get some your name and address and we can pray for you and any prayer requests we have. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. God bless you guys. Mel's going to finish out the song and then he'll dismiss. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.